0: Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com
1: It
2: is Friday. We are the Blaze Radio Network. You are the best and brightest. I am Jay Severin, which means we can count on a couple of things right off the bat. We are going to have a Friday edition. We are going to know that what we hear is Veritas. And it's going to be very silly. Excelsior. How are you? You are my friend, and I won't have it any other way. Don't like it? Go away. You are a friend here first. Then you are a business partner. You are the best and brightest. This is the Jaily News, an American tragic comedy presented every day in two acts. Act one, Friday. Now, just as a bonus start to today's Friday. I said a moment ago, not silly. I really meant to say not supercilious. Never supercilious, though sometimes silly. And here's an example. The Guardian, the newspaper in the UK. The Guardian ran a story last night from one of its most uh, uh, honored Writers and, 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 and feature writers. And and the UK Guardian ran a feature that said, beware. The new racism, and of course, it's new every day. So you have to keep checking. I mean, it used to be that if you worked in an auto parts store, you know, for aftermarket stuff, you'd have to look and say, well, I didn't know about this. Look at this. Look at these rims. I didn't know we even had these. Okay. But now even in this business, even in the dusty old business of thought, you have to check the manual every day when you come in to see if any new supplements have arrived by mail or email. The UK Guardian tells us that the newest form of racism is correcting Grammar. I I don't mean being unkind toward someone's grandmother. Not that kind of grammar. No, I mean anybody, anywhere, anytime, for any reason. Keep in mind, especially teachers, so that you can fully drink in how ludicrous this is. Here is one of the most important newspapers in the world telling the world that one of the newest forms of racism is correcting someone's grammar. Is not only telling them that what they said was incorrectly said, but taking the steps to correctly, gently correct them and say, this is the proper way to do it so that you will not in the future find yourself in the same trumpian position but now we find that the essential the the quintessential role of teachers big t little t doesn't matter your teacher can be your grandmother your your grammarian can be your grandma or it can be your teacher it can be your boss it could be your friend if they love you it can be anybody who knows you granted well enough to correct you without giving offense right i appreciate that it's hardly racist though it clearly becomes a matter of comportment and manners if you stop someone on the street having overheard them and they are a stark stranger to you and you say, I'm sorry, sir, I thought I just, I thought I just had occasion to hear you say uh, Hillary occasion and me would go to the Caribbean where she'd be found missing. I must say, sir, I must say, sir, that expression is utterly out of line. Yes, indeed. One ought to have expressed it thusly. I hope to take Hillary Clinton to the Caribbean where she and I will never be seen again. We're just talking about, I'm not kidding now, this is a true story. I'm not sure it's truly enough to get myself out of trouble with my boss who says, What are you doing starting the program with a grammar lesson? And you know, it's a fine question. And perfectly put, boss, perfectly put. Uh, But that's what we know. Look at what we have. Look at the world around us. Look at every story that surrounds. Here's the real point. Look at every story that surrounds that story in the UK. Look at all the heaped, stacked, burnt, dead, mangled bodies. And then here's a little story about Proper grammar. They also include, by the way, manners. And they mean manners of any kind. They mean table manners. They mean public manners. They mean interpersonal manners. The reason that I will pass from this mortal coil, and the only lesson I may have left, is that I know firmly and fervently and happily. I know my family knows that if they have a question about something like this, they know they can come to their father to ask. And I know they will believe the source. They know they'll be right. And I know they'll be right. I am not. I. I No, 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 really. No, I am not flawless in these and other matters. But I just love that my little girl can come to me and say, Dada, is it, you know, is it X or is it Y? What should I say? And I can say, daughter, it's Y. And here's why. While I'm looking at a major international newspaper front page story telling me that nudging anyone, God forbid teaching them, But correcting them, however, gently, even if you're a teacher, that proper grammar under these circumstances would be this instead of that. Also, that manners are a white power structure tool as a microaggression to insult people of color or powerless people. And to keep them down so to show manners is a racist microaggression. This will undoubtedly strike anyone mistakenly listening to this broadcast. Mistakenly listening to this broadcast who has become quite comfortable with probing an empty nostril with an index finger. And then checking it and then maybe nibbling away at the mining contents of your nostril. It must be awfully good to know that that is not perfectly okay, but that you are now safe from well-intentioned strangers saying, I say, son, picking your nose and eating it is not the best possible way to win favorable review at this Job interview. What?
1: The Jay Severin Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: The founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us. How do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company, and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to the show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Real Estate Agents, I Trust, dot com.
2: This is The Jay Severin Show. You are the best and brightest in all of radio. This is an experiment that is working. And uh, I can't tell you how proud and lucky I am that you choose us and that you uh, choose me for this job. I'm Jay Severin. 1-888-900-3393. Hey, it's Friday. Any question of any kind... Go ahead. Any contribution, any complaint, anything. Just if you want to hear your voice on the radio and say to your friend, hey, pop off another cubby there. Listen to me. I'm going to be on, on, on a Macroni. Uh One triple eight nine 900 3393. And because it is Friday, and because I feel I have still a four of uh, three or four minutes to use as a point of personal privilege, given the news, which is not unimportant. It just isn't breaking, breaking, breaking your leg, breaking. I'm going to say this. I have for you, under the category of point of personal privilege, I have for you a lesson of the day. Learn the rules In order that you can win your point, if you know the rules of the road better than the other guy, then whether you are arguing or debating, discussing uh, a point about the delegates on the radio, or whether you're arguing whether a thick head on a Guinness is a good thing or a bad thing and how thick it ought to be. One of the things I was taught that has served me well and that I know are these well really is this it's not there's not much it's an enormous amount if you've never tried it. It will seem vexing, but here it is and it's believe me, it's that's not it's not tough stuff. Here it is. Learn before you speak, before you're ready. To make this call. 1-888-900-3393. Or before you're ready to say it out loud at the bar to your buddy. Or your wife over dinner. Or whatever it is. Learn to argue most successfully. as, As successfully as you will ever argue. This will place you on a plane with anybody you know who argues. And indeed, above that plane. You'll be very proud and you will have accomplished something. Simply master this technique. Ready? Reduce your questions and form them such that the appropriate, at least the appropriate the first initial reply to your question would be either a yes or a no. Now, people hate it, and nobody you know with which you are locked in a conversation, when you form a question such that you say to them, hold up a finger and say, would you do this? Would you answer my question, yes or no? Now, almost everyone will will give you that. They'll say, yes, I will. See, because it's easy. It's easy to say you will. And so once having extracted from them the promise that they will answer your question in a yes or no format, then ask them a question such that the answer is either yes or no. This does a few things; it flummoxes them completely. All of a sudden, now they are doing calisthenics, like the the Cirque du Soleil, like those little uh, the little gymnasts that are two feet high from Cirque du Soleil. They are twisting their minds into pretzilian contortions to try and figure out how am I going to do this. So that I can, so that I can answer, I'm sorry, ask a question, the response to which is either yes or no, or how can I, on the other hand, answer yes or no. So you're immediately draining 90% of of the battery power of your arguing adversary while they try to figure out this enormous task. And I'm not kidding. Okay. So while they're trying to figure that out, you're already on your next move. Because you know they're either going to say yes or no now, I've made it sound neater than it is. I've kind of lied to you because I know what the answer is. Good luck trying to get the person with whom you're debating. It doesn't matter. it could be over well- you know whether bud light or or neon light you know is a better drink i' don't, or was a better point guard I i d I can't promise you that. But if you can arrange things such that the person feels it's expected of them, they've accepted your challenge by now already, right? They've already said yes, yes, I, I will give you a yes or no, and, and and even give you one that you can answer yes or no. By the time all of this is done, you will have almost certainly won the point but you will also have spared yourself the kind of arguing you hear at shopping malls generally between spouses when you actually if you overhear it think they are speaking in different languages because it's impossible that they could for 10 minutes argue over the question of Last time we were here, did we eat at the Pizza Puss or at the Burger Mess? Which one? Or would you prefer the Pizza Puss? These are both yes or no structured, you know, Q and A's. That that question will be answered with, "Hey." When is the last time we were here? Or, you know, I've got to get a birthday gift for Prissy. Or, I think we may need an oil change. Or, uh, did you say hungry? Or, if, if just for an experiment, if you want to try it sometime. Try for the old yes or no. Promise each other that all questions will be answered with a yes or a no. Because as Americans, we can't do it anymore. We say yes, but. No but. And we then think that we have fulfilled our promise. And we haven't. We violated it. The whole whole idea here for the old mental exertion exercise thing is to be able to say yes and then hope that you are asked a follow-up question where you can elaborate. But if you've promised you'll answer yes or no, answer yes or no. And then that's it. You've answered. And you will feel that you have you have deprived your friend and the world of all of the truth, the essential truths lurking behind this false limitation to which you've agreed. I have so much more to say. I have so much more to say, but you have gagged me and bound me by my promising to answer yes or no. And you know what's funny about that? That the court system in all civilized countries, starting with Great Britain and here for 300 years, have always been predicated on one rule of discipline from which all others flow. And that is when an officer of the court asks a witness, yes or no, then puts a question, the witness must answer, yes or no. And any other word, any utterance, any syllable that follows yes or no, the counsel looks at the judge, raises his eyebrow, and the judge tells the witness to be quiet.
1: Severin, The Blaze Radio Network.
2: on the blaze radio network with my partners i am jay severin 1 888-900-3393 1 okay no more grade school stuff now we shoot right to politics 10,001 okay and no charge irene from arizona
1: Yes, hi. Thank you. Thank you for everything you do, everything you say. Hello. It is Um, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I have a comment about Ted Cruz. I love Ted Cruz. I am so excited to have him running and to have been able to vote for him, Uh, being from Arizona. You know, we didn't go Ted Cruz's way, but I'm so excited to have someone like this running. And the way I get other people excited, the first thing I say is, I explain his tax plan. People just are amazed at his tax plan, and I explain why it will work because a lot of people say, oh, well, that's too good to be true. That can't be. No, it can be, and I explain to them why, and it does take a little time. But I want to say that there is no way. Wait, before you move on,
2: I was already going to say, if you succeed, generally speaking, in having their ear on a topic Mm -hmm. like this for Mm -hmm. the amount of time generally required, even shorthand, to explain it, you must be one heck of a public speaker.
1: <laughs> well, I, I guess uh, you could say that, or maybe they wouldn't say that. Maybe they would. But uh, it's usually people who are closer to me who are willing to spend those few minutes, you know. And I, I'm I'm stingy. I mean, I grab it, and I, I ask them, you know, please let me go through this, and it's really important to me, and blah, blah, blah. And they are Good for not. You. And, and I... because they don't know. It's because they don't know, Jay. They right. Don't... Do you ever hear anybody boasting about his tax plan on Fox? You don't.
2: No, as a matter matter of fact, I complained about it about six months ago because I hadn't heard about it enough. And I was saying, when am I finally going to hear something from Ted Cruz about taxes? And about a thousand of you were kind enough to write in and say, hey, blockhead, he's already done (laughs) this. And it's great. And, you know, and here are the particulars. So believe me. We can't hear too much about that.
1: Good, good. And I also wanted to say that there is no way Donald Trump is getting to 1237. There's no way. And I know you probably think I'm, you know, looking through uh, rainbow-colored glasses but or rose-colored. But also... Um, Ted Cruz has the, has the second vote locked up. I mean, he already has that locked up. So I know that he's going to be our candidate, and I'm so thrilled and so positive. But if by chance he doesn't, there are many, many, many of us out here who just can't vote for Donald Trump and who are going to write Ted Cruz in. And it's going to be the first time, Jay, that a president will win by way of a write-in vote.
2: <laughs> Irene, I, I'm, I'm, I, I want to offer you a job just to sit here next to me so some of that enthusiasm can rub off on me. I mean, you're not only seeing the world through rose-colored glasses, you are a botanist. I mean, you, 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 you've got, we're surrounded in roses. I can feel them just talking to you. But in any case, good for you. Thank you for the call. Thank you for fighting the good fight. Uh, although I think you will have it to fight, probably shorter than you think. Bill, from the Keystone State, it also says the Constitution State, make up your mind, have those felons in jail, learn how to spell one or the other.
3: Hey, hey Jay, how you doing? Hey, Bill. Hey, yeah. Uh, um, been listening for a while. I love you i'm I'm tres seven seven on Twitter by the way I, I okay. think a, uh, um here's my thing i'm I'm totally in for uh for Cruz and I believe he could beat Hillary but I'm just want to play devil's advocate here all right
2: yeah please do that's fun
3: if i'm a if I'm a GOP insider I know the party's fractured say say thirty percent voted for Trump and say sixty percent are against trump. So you're going to anger one, one sector regardless. So here's what I do. I don't care how many delegates Trump gets. I don't care if he gets 1,500. I, I do not give him the nomination. I give it to Cruz, and I let Cruz take the fall. And the next cycle, I say, hey, we tried the conservative, the, the constitutionalist. It didn't work. We're going to go back to our, our old lackeys. So they, they kill two birds with one stone. They don't care if they win the election. They just want to keep their power, right?
2: Well, Bill it's a theory, but if a if a conservative runs this time and loses, then all of these so-called Republicans, guys like Boner who were up on stage last night saying Cruz will become forget the swearing and all that Cruz that did, how nasty that was. Not not cuz I'm chaste and he, you know, the swear word offends me. <clears throat> but of all the things they covered, it was Boner saying Cruz is a miserable son of a bitch. Uh, And that's what got the copy. The next sentence that Boner uttered was, do you know what it was?
3: Um, I I don't recall.
2: It's going to be, it, it was this. He's going to be God over my dead body and a lot of people like me. See, one to say about a guy, you don't like him. I I get that, and I don't. I you know I'm not happy about it because I know there are other people who don't like Ted too. But when someone with as much to defend, and a guy who's as important in many ways, we may not think of him as important anymore. But you know, a guy like Boner believes he has a reputation out there to ensure. Uh, because, in, you know, let's face it, he is going to go to be a $2 million a year partner at a law firm in Washington or a lobbyist group or something. So it's not as if he can say anything and throw caution entirely to the wind. He got up there and say, Cruz is going to be the president over my dead body and a lot of others of us. That's the part that hurts because that the, that's the part that suggests to me he is speaking... The truth as he understands it, which is there are people within the party who are going to do extraordinary things to block Cruz.
3: But, but what I'm saying is if if they don't want Trump, wouldn't it make sense to, you know, to make that that
2: sector of the it's of a school party of thought it, it, it? I'm sorry. Bill, it's a school of thought and one that we previewed here. Several weeks ago, why not if you think you're going to lose and I think this still comes down to this or, or may well if it comes down to the RNC doing something as outrageous as outwardly clearly stealing the election from the voters coming right out and saying none of your votes matters. We're 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 canceling all of the primaries. We don't care how you voted. We're going to pick the nominee. None of what you did mattered. It's all a farce. And we're picking Cruz. And they do it because they realize they can't win. And they have sat down somewhere and said, what can we possibly, is there any lemonade we can get out of these lemons at all, at all? And someone raised their hand and said, well, if we lose with Cruz, we let the conservatives in the party who have been opposing us they've been our biggest pain in the ass for 20 years and they're the ones saying you know won't you let a conservative run because that will solve everything and enough people believe it that they've been killing us in in the congress look at look what they did look what the tea party did to us they mangled us in in two straight elections they're killing us so if we believe we're going to lose and we must try to make something out of this wreckage in front of us. What can we make out of it? And this school of thought yeah. says you let Cruz run as a conservative. You pretend to stand behind him. And then if he gets crushed, you say, see, what did we tell you? You can't win with a conservative. Yeah. The Republican Party is not a conservative party. You need someone like Heb, heb or I'll or George more, Pataki. Thing,
3: yeah. Um, I meant to lead off with it, but of course, you know, you, you kinda of lose your train of thought when you finally actually get on the air. Um Don't I, I actually it. did meet I actually did get to meet um Ted at the Pittsburgh Rally um this past Saturday and he is the most humble guy, um high high profile figure I've ever met in my life and just standing and watching and talking with people the way he listens, I mean it it's just
2: Bill, he's my the guy. my children he's the guy out of need. my children out of youth, no matter how bright they are, and they are. And I'm very proud of them. And one of them is already writing for a website at the age of 15. And so I think she understands what it's about, you know, more than a pigeon walking around the street. And my child bride is extremely bright. And she has never, ever cared about politics, even though we've been together for many years, even long before we were married. And that's who I was, no matter where we went. Oh, you're oh oh that's is that is that your boyfriend? He's the one on television every night. He's the one into politics, and no one else cared. She was a fashion model. So needless to say, there were not a lot of people there who were kindred spirits about following politics. But even she loaded up the car about two o'clock in the morning a while back, put our family in it, and drove up to wherever it was, I can't remember now, the town in New Hampshire where Ted was going to appear and wangled themselves up to the front row and listened to Ted and met him and talked to him and had pictures taken with him. Not They, they didn't use, they never mentioned their name. I'm not even suggesting it would have helped. Uh, but they, they did all of that and they came home and it's like, it's like, I had just come home from meeting the Beatles, you know, when I was twelve years old. Clearly he has something, and clearly Ted Frankly lacks something.
1: Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: I am Jay Severin, and I'm mindful of owing you guys some phone time because this week has been really very rigorous, and I did have to delay some cut-ins where we would do the telephone calls. So today, you call, you're on. Nothing Nothing I say is more important than whatever you have to say. You call, you're on. This would not be a great time to call because it's almost the end of a segment, but believe me, you call during the top of the break hour, you're on hold, uh, we come right to you. If you have something you think you can do in fairly short form now, given the two or three minutes I've got before the break, call now. We'll do it now. I can't get out of my mind, and don't wish to, Patrick from Texas yesterday, who now is the father of a five-year-old. No, five-day-old. I blew it. A five-day-old little boy. I told that story, and I had a child of mine cry in my arms last night hearing that story, and I hoped she would, because I hoped she would understand that I was telling that story metaphorically and that every word I said to Patrick, I was saying to my firstborn, I wanted her... To know, well, she can't know, but to hear the love of a parent and the heartbreak, the double-edged sword, as a beloved child ages day by day and no longer asks to be picked up. Daddy, pick me up. Up! Up! Up, Daddy, pick me up. And so... Patrick, long will I remember the call, and hope that I will hear from you often. We are the Blaze Radio Network Friday Edition One Triple Eight Nine Hundred Three Three Nine Three. Governor Pence got a picture. Me neither. Uh, you're not going to find Governor Pence of Indiana twerking about the stage at the Indiana State Fair or anywhere else. More's the pity. But Governor Pence of Indiana has endorsed Ted Cruz kind of i watched the endorsement and he said well you know this is an important endorsement and and the next part is a quote i don't i don't dislike anybody i don't not like anybody i just want to make that clear i don't dislike anybody but I'll I'll be voting for Ted Cruz. Woo-hoo-hoo! I couldn't stand the excitement another second. Could you? And I hope that people who are on the fence are not comparing it to the Bobby Knight uh, endorsement. Because Bobby Knight came out there a couple nights in a row and I watched both of those wall to wall and 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 I was p- fully prepared to weep both times i saw bobby knight because he's bobby knight and because i appreciate something of the nature of the unique relationship that someone like bobby knight a coach can have with the people of a certain state to which he's given his blood and his life and his talent bobby knight is the best possible endorser that trump could have gotten for indiana You know what? I hope it doesn't matter. But I know that it will. Indiana's five days away. Now, let's uh, ask ourselves one thing that's fair. Governor Pence could have endorsed Ted Cruz last week, but he didn't. He could have endorsed him two days ago, but he didn't. But he finally did endorse him today, five days out. Why did he? I'd like to think it's a, say it with me, a Carly dividend.
1: The Jay Severin Show, only
2: on the Blaze Radio Network. I am Jay Severin. You are the best and brightest we are together, the Blaze Radio Network. And it's Friday, darn it, and we're going to have some fun in addition to the fun that's fun when you get smarter, that kind of fun. Really, I promise, I think. Excelsior. have a very important welcome back my dear friends it's the jaily news published by the blaze radio network it is an american tragic comedy every day in two acts act 2 i have for you some uh, what i regard as excellent universal news it comes to me via a couple of uh, tweets bounced around through my friend David Limbaugh, through my friend Laura Ingram, and it finally settles on me thusly breaking. The Supreme Court of the United States upholds Texas's voter ID law. Woohoo. <claps> Woo-hoo! Texas recently instituted a very simple voter id law the purpose of which and i i address this to the people who are disappointed by the ruling because i honestly believe a large portion of them honestly do not understand why a state would want or require people voting in its elections to satisfy the curiosity of the citizens of that state that only other fellow citizens of that state are stealing their vote. I, I, it has always been beyond me how someone with a straight face could argue against voter ID laws. Yet they do, and in this case, and in a great, big, important state of Texas, they have lost. Now, I'll look up. I don't know the Texas uh, statute, the voter ID law, but I know, I know without looking it up, and I recall from having known it chapter and verse, what it does is merely require that a person showing up on election day with ambitions to cast a vote in the great state of Texas demonstrates that that person actually exists in the name on his or her document residing at the address posed on that document and is in short A legal resident, a legal resident of the great state of Texas and thus a legal resident of the United States of America. And not a democracy burglar, not a democracy thief, not a criminal of our human rights as we have crafted them and seen many generations of our ancestors die all over the world to protect them. Yes? Yes. The state of Texas's voter ID law, which requires the outrageous fulfillment Of the requirement that you prove you are who you claim to be and that you legally reside in Texas, in America, and you have legal right to the vote that you will cast that will cancel out mine or cancel out Patrick's. And the vote he casts, as he will, every one for the rest of his life for his now five-day-old son. I don't think that's too much to ask. Meanwhile, by executive order, Barack Obama has just granted hundreds of thousands of violent felons the right to reclaim the franchise. And to vote, because after all, they've suffered enough. So hundreds of thousands of felons will, despite having served notice in the most cruel form upon you and me and the most innocent possible human beings imaginable, and and via the cruelest possible mechanisms of service, of that announcement, that they'll now be voting. And as the slime ball, one of the biggest slime balls in the history of politics in the United States of America, the current governor of the once proud Commonwealth of Virginia said in response, Hey, if I were. If I were a Republican, I'd stop insulting and complaining and I'd go out and try to win their votes. And he says this with a completely straight face. Yeah, that's what we'll do. The overwhelmingly minority prison population In state or states, which has now suddenly been re-given the vote. And whereas the question is always going to be some form of, well, let me see. Do you think we should ask people to obey the law? Or do you think we should allow them to pretend this is Mogadishu? And just kill everything that moves. And on top of that, do you believe that even when behaving like a resident of Mogadishu, these folks ought still get voting rights and full welfare benefits so that they can let suckers like you go to work while they are in the family business of sitting and waiting for your check to come to them. In a land in which the word bastard... When's the last time outside of black hip-hop music you've ever heard the word bastard? It's because we no longer as a society, along with a little help from Jesse Jackson. Al Sharpton, Hillary Clinton, the Democrat Party, the one uh, percenters against Wall Street, Black Lives Matter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The thought police, the thought police are busy, busy, busy bees, busy at work. And one of the things they've been very busy at is the notion that the word bastard is racist and must be banned from the lexicon no longer are we to use a word which has been since long before shakespearean times a perfectly good quiver a uh, arrow in the quiver of our delicious vocabulary That enables us to describe something or someone in so many different ways that we are, along with our language, the most blessed and richest people on earth. Yet, what we have are people who contribute nothing, who do nothing, pitch into groups together to be affronted to be aggrieved, to be victims collectively, so that among other worthwhile activities, they can band together in groups, and along with the help of once great institutions like, say, Harvard and Princeton and Yale, they can band together and say, the word bastard... Means someone born out of wedlock. <gasps> that means a baby born of parents not married to each other. <gasps> and that, of course, implies directly that there is something wrong with being born to parents not wed, not wed to each other. And that it's a perfectly fine idea, and just as perfectly fine as anyone else's form of lifestyle in the world. That a child should, just as equally, be born a bastardo. After all, it's not as if you don't go, can't go anywhere in life if you're a bastardo. Just ask the first ever elected president of the United States to be impeached, bastardo Bill
1: Clinton. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network?
2: We are Act Two in the Daily Civic Circus Maximus presentation. Have you business before this court of actual, this court of truth? Have you business before this court? Draw nigh, do draw nigh and be heard. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. hundred three three nine three. Justice, you presiding can you imagine that proper grammar and manners are now formally recognized by the left wing as tools of slavery tools of oppression that the white man uses over people of color so to be taught This is not going away. The reason I mention it is not just because I happen to be personally livid over it. I'm personally livid over it because I know exactly where it's going. Once we say you can no longer say bastard, well, then we can no longer really say someone's been born illegitimate. Because what does it all mean? It's just it's racism. You can't say it. So it doesn't really matter anymore. Parents don't matter anymore. That's what happens. That's what's happened. And now I look at this. I know we covered this earlier, but I look at this and I can see in my mind's eye from, from I saw this on television. I can see the uh, woman of color presenting this editorial that, correcting anyone's grammar even a child especially a child's grammar or telling them that we generally use this fork for the salad rather than rather than excavating a nostril with our right index finger and then poking it at the salad to try and gain traction. How dare you teach a child table manners? And I mean, how dare a white person teach a white child table manners? Because what are they doing? What are they doing? You know what they're doing. They are perpetrating white privilege. Because... Fifteen years from now, and I'm not going to apologize for anything, I saw this at college. Our college was not, it was, it was actually a, a profoundly worthwhile sociology laboratory. All of a sudden, Vassar College had provided education, of course, but life, room and board, no i don't know what kinds of colleges i mean this is it this is why it's interesting a point maybe no one else knows what i'm talking about or only other people who are as old as i am and went to certain kinds of schools in certain parts of the country but our meals especially sunday dinner was was set with table linens and silverware, and crystal, and tea service, and coffee service on silver trays served to us by matrons who would service our meals. We were, uh, now that I'm halfway there, let's not stop now, we were civilized. And those of us who were not already civilized were there there to learn to become civilized. That would include me. I was somewhat civilized. Thank you, mother and father. But I was not civilized even remotely along the tracks of most of my classmates. Do you think I found it insulting to learn the proper way to dine? Do you think that I did or ought to have stood up and called them racist lackeys for training me in the mechanisms of how to keep other people down by refining my white privilege so when I were to dine somewhere else other than my own home I would know how properly to do so not to mention how properly to converse to speak these are bad things these are bad things these are racist things what has happened to us. These are bad things. All right. Governor Pence endorsed Cruz. Uh, is it a Carly dividend? I think not. Though I think there will be Carly dividends. I'm sorry for that abrupt. One that abrupt switch there. Anti-Trump Demonstrators. Right now on television are carrying swastikas, you know, because Donald Trump is a is a Nazi. You knew this, right? Trump, because you disagree with him or more precisely, the person holding that swastika does not know what it means, does not know where it comes from, has absolutely no idea what they're doing. And could not, if given 10 hours, sit down and give you a remotely cogent explanation as to Donald Trump's views, to which they so vociferously object, or their own. They couldn't tell you where they stand in 10 hours. And now they're out at a man who is running for president with swastikas.
1: Jay Severin. Excelsior The Blaze Radio Network J Severin. On the Place Radio Network,
2: one of our best and oldest partners, uh, senior manager on the board, Jason from DC, welcome back, Jason. Hey, Jason, welcome back.
4: How are you? How are you? Hey, man. Uh, well, thank you. Hey, I just wanted to touch base. You know, one of the things I'm noticing is that there is a complete blackout amongst the left in pointing out the fact that Bernie Sanders supporters have more in common with Jill Stein of the Green Party than they do with Hillary Clinton. Oh, As a matter of fact, they keep they keep bringing up the myth that Al, that Ralph Nader cost Al Gore the victory, which even the website Daily Coast has a great article about talking about the myth of Gore losing to Bush. They forget to mention that more Democrats, over 100,000 Democrats voted for Bush in florida and of course gore didn't even win his home state of tennessee which of course if he had won that florida wouldn't have mattered in the election right. but they need right. to keep right. the myth alive of course because they're afraid of course they're all in
2: it. Well, what's interesting is let, let's keep this up i mean when we want to do how bush won you know i want you to explain it i think you you and i are the two people i can think of right off the top of my head that can explain exactly how to explode the selected, not elected myth, uh, the history of that. But let's keep it current, Jason. And currently, what happens? Wither Bernie, wither Bernie's mutant, uh, malevolent millennials. Do they really? The five X polls, every one of them the other night out of the five states said uh, Democrats who were for Bernie said, oh, oh, if he's not running, I'm not voting. Now, it's a lovely thought, Jason, but I don't believe it, but there might be something to it.
4: Well, and, and the, the thing is, there was a uh, Mutant poll out yesterday or the day before, and it said if the, if the candidates are Trump and Clinton, 24 percent will not vote for the Republican or Democrat. And of the 24 percent, 16 are considering third party and 6 percent will not vote. Now, look, it, I'm not saying every Bernie supporter is going to go for, vote for Hillary. But what happens if one out of five Bernie supporters right. uh, go off the reservation? Because what will happen suddenly is states that are no longer in play will come into play.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah. And and this yeah, is this yeah, is where
4: the whole commission on presidential debate, which is nothing more than a scam, run. it's no more than Coke and Pepsi sitting down and deciding who could be on the soda show. <laughs> Came, arbitrarily came up with this 15 percent
2: threshold
4: which Jason, what we've if known these from people are going, crazy
2: about what's yeah. happened so far with delegates can you imagine yeah. when they get their first taste of the electoral college
4: oh yeah no, i mean but 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 the, the reality is the lawsuit that's currently in, in in court right now run by bruce fine of, of watergate fame um uh, yep In in charge of, of pushings to allow, if you're on enough ballots in enough states that theoretically you can win 270 electoral college votes, you should be included in the debates. And they always kind of throw this thing out like, oh, well, there's too many candidates. Don't you realize there's 20 people running for office? Yeah, but they're not on enough ballots in enough states to win. But the Republicans and Democrats, a lot of people don't understand this. When Ross Perot was in those debates, he had the highest debate to final vote total jump in history. And that's when
0: the Jason,
2: Republicans and Democrats realized I, I, realize we're shut I down want stuff. to thank you for the call because you know I love you and I appreciate the nature of your contributions to the show. However, it's very difficult to keep the show on track with today. There is so much news. A lot of my notes I noticed uh, yesterday uh, were talking about what happens after the convention. What happens after, you know, uh, is it Trump and Hillary? We have plenty of time to talk about that. I salute anyone who wants to think, especially in advance. So I salute Jason most especially, and I salute you, any of us who want to think in advance. But forgive me, Jason, for not spending those precious moments in the two hours we do have being too forward-looking. I would rather tell the truth and the future by a few days or a week than by a couple of months and have people saying, what the hell are they talking about? So I think we will leave that for when that becomes topic A. It is not right now. I mean, it is tremendously important. It just isn't the most tremendously important we have on our plate right now. So if you are a cruise voter and considering the nature of the conversation we had yesterday about which you were displeased uh, with me. I'll let you take this one however you like. I didn't know this yesterday. I, I would certainly have included it. Do you know how long the voting in Indiana has already been going on? Four weeks now. In Indiana, five days. The fate of the fate is it. You wanted a real Super Tuesday? You got it. Five days. Indiana. And they've been voting for weeks. Now think about that. If you're for Ted Cruz, does it as I am. Does that help my guy or hurt my guy? If they've been voting for weeks and a lot of that voting was, hey, I'm for Cruz, we're fine, we're in good shape, it's obviously going to be us, then a lot of those votes were based derivative of that mindset. But suppose, suppose, and we will know this soon enough, that a splurge of votes came in the last 10 days after after Trump won New York. Because then, if there's a splurge of votes, those votes probably come in not for Ted Cruz. And if you're for Ted, if a lot of the pre-Indiana voting, which is open for business and has been four weeks... If a lot of that voting has taken place this week since Trump cruised crush on Tuesday night, all I'm I'm delivering here is the news that they've been voting for weeks in Indiana, and we just don't know which votes came in when. And on that question probably turns this fight, which may already be fought, have been fought. Now, right now on my monitor, I'm watching police uh, battle it out with demonstrators. Anti-Trump demonstrations are going to become very uh, numerous and violent, especially as they head toward California, where... They do this as a hobby. All of the violent demonstrations I've seen in the last three days involve what I see is uh, Hispanics. I see the Mexican flag. I see uh, signs about immigration. You know, I am America. Atlan, return uh, America to Mexico. America stole Mexico. And these demonstrations are becoming increasingly violent. Each one of them will be not only blamed on, but here's the key, me folk. They're going to be associated with Trump, right? Exactly what the media did with the earlier demonstrations. When violence occurred at a Trump event, all of a sudden it was Trump's fault. And it was Trump's fault because, gee, He can't even help it. It's Trump's fault because Trump is a violent pig and Trump brings out the violent pig in everyone. And so, of course, people are going to get hurt and die and demonstrate. And it will be riots because it's Trump. And I tell you, I hope you are with me in thinking about this, to think that the appearance of any candidate For President of the United States could ever be used as it is being used by the Democrats, those pigs, as it's being used by the Democrats and the mainstream media, they are already pre-slaughtering Trump. I'm a cruise guy, but I don't not stick up for right when right is staring me in the face. They are pre-slaughtering Trump on the basis that it's Trump. And so, you know, we really, I don't know if we ought to have these rallies. Maybe Trump oughtn't be allowed to have these rallies, because after all, a Trump rally equals violence. And if we just didn't have Trump rallies, well, then we just wouldn't have these violent confrontations between these fine young people and the cop-killing police we have all under uh, all over the United States. In the demonstration last night, I watched the film of, did you? One young man, I'd say, well under 25, just a kid. He was driving a van. He parked his car on the periphery of the riot, the anti-Trump riot. And he was walking down the street, and he was wearing, he was not in the middle of the crowd, he was trying to, you know, Looked to me like he was just trying to get where he was going, but he was wearing a Trump t-shirt. These savages set upon him as though he, uh, you know, w- w- was as though he were carrying a swastika. This young man with the Trump uh, t-shirt walking down the street near the demonstrations. He had no signs, no paraphernalia. The The, the crowd beat him senseless. You may have seen the pictures. If you did not, you will tonight. This kid is beaten into a bloody pulp. Here is America. And when you see the mainstream media analysis, when you see the johornalists out in their full sweaty view, they'll be saying, you see? You see the kind of high... Contempt, the kind of high fever that
1: Trump brings out in people. Jay Severin on the Place Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: And only with my partners on the Blaze Radio Network, 1-888-900-3393. We do still have time for a couple of the yes or no responses that I railed about at the beginning of the show. Uh, And that would be derivative of the question we have yet to uh, probe, and we have to. So we won't have time today, but we will be back to it on Monday, God's willing. And it's this: Cruz Carly. Was it desperation to pick Carly Fiorina, or was it just a tremendously smart, strategic decision? Question mark. You know, yes or no: Des- desperate or smart. Uh, second question, can Carly help Cruz turn this around? Now, I know that that question is largely prejudiced by your question, your answer to the first question, right? Because if you think it's desperate, you probably don't think she's likely to help him turn it around, etc. But, you know, stranger things have happened. Whether or not it's desperate or strategically sound, can Carly actually help Cruz turn this around? I think uh, my yes or no answers to my first two yes or no questions here are uh, strategic and yes. I think the choice was smart. And it. I know the timing and circumstance was not ideal, <laughs> to say the least. But you know what? I'm not sure that many people are going to care in about another, oh, when we're back together on Monday. Even this weekend when you watch the coverage, you watch. I don't think that many people, they're going to be talking. Carly is going to be one of the major topics this weekend for sure. And, of course, it will come up, well, was it a desperation move or was it smart – I don't think in the end it's going to burn the house down one way or the other, but I think it was a very smart pick. Can she help turn this around for Cruz? I think she can. I think she can. Was she the best choice for this role? Yes. I think she was. I don't see another man see. When I get, I see another whole thing now. Do you? Every time I see Ted Cruz now. I see Ted Cruz up on a stage with an attractive, energetic, smart, and man, is she smart, woman standing next to him as his partner. I mean, let's face it, his wife was never expected to truly fulfill this role. She's she's a political amateur. She's a very, very smart, accomplished woman in her own right. But it wouldn't be appropriate for her to be up there being a cheerleader for Ted. It is appropriate for Carly to be up there, and she is a great partner. And she's smarter than everybody else in the race with the possible, possible exception of Ted. And that could be a tie. This weekend is going to be great. And Monday, I promise you, better.
1: Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.